Hi, and welcome to the next podcast in this series where we will review over chemistry concepts that we covered in class. This podcast can be used to help you with homework, review over today's concepts, or help you study for an upcoming test. Today's episode, we will review over the periodic table. Chemistry is special in many ways. One characteristic that sets it apart from any other subject in school is that students get away with using a legal cheat sheet, the periodic table. In the periodic table, the elements are organized in a specific way, enabling you to get information about the atomic structure and the reactivity of the element. Therefore, being able to read and interpret the periodic table will be essential to your success in any chemistry-related field. So to recap, elements have been known to mankind for thousands of years, and by 1860, around 60 elements were identified. There was, however, no coherent information about the elemental properties. And with the increasing number of elements being discovered, we needed a way to organize the elements. So let's meet the father of the periodic table, Dmitri Mendeleev. According to history, Mendeleev wrote the names of the elements as well as the mass and properties on individual cards and spent days trying to see the patterns. This task was especially challenging because at the time, his set of cards were incomplete since not all elements had been discovered. Imagine beginning a game of poker without the twos or the kings. Not so easy. Supposedly, Mendeleev worked around the clock without a break for several days and nights, but to no avail. Legend has it, when he fell asleep, he actually dreamed about how the elements can be arranged. I'm not entirely sure if this is really how he made his discovery, but many of you experienced something similar. Maybe you worked on a project or a problem that you can't just quite figure out. And then, all of a sudden, when your mind was completely doing something different, a light bulb goes off and all falls into place. So, maybe it did happen to Mendeleev. Mendeleev arranged the elements with increasing atomic mass as well as elements with similar properties. But there were two pairs that were causing problems. One was tellurium and the other was iodine. Organized by atomic mass, tellurium was heavier than iodine. But when it came to properties, tellurium fit better with group 16 and iodine in group 17. Are these the black sheep of the family? It must have been like building a puzzle and two pieces just don't fit. You might decide to use your fist and hammer them into place, but something will always be off. Square block, wrong hole. Mendeleev was missing a critical piece of knowledge. He didn't know about the atomic structure or subatomic particles. Today's periodic table still groups elements based on similar properties, but is no longer organized by atomic mass like Mendeleev did. Rather, it's based on atomic number, which is simply the number of protons in the nucleus of the atom. This actually solved the entire puzzle, and iodine and tellurium found their rightful place. So grab the periodic table and see if you can find the second pair. Now let's look at the elements in the periodic table. The horizontal rows in the periodic table are called periods. Some properties repeat in a periodic pattern. Get it? That's how the table got its name. Very creative. Vertical columns of the periodic table are called families or groups. 
Similar to you and your family, elements within the group share similar characteristics and sometimes referred to with a family name. For example, the elements in group 1 are alkali metals. They are highly reactive and soft. So soft that you can cut them with a knife. The elements in group 2 are alkaline earth metals. They are a bit less reactive than alkali metals, but the elements in both groups cannot be found pure in nature, only in compounds. Metals in groups 3 through 12 are called transition metals. These contain some of the metals you think of when you hear the word, like gold, silver, and iron. Their reactivity varies, but they are less reactive than groups 1 and 2. Looking to the right of the periodic table, you will see a staircase. The staircase separates the metals from the nonmetals. Some elements directly adjacent to the staircase are called metalloids. They have some properties of metals, but they also have properties of nonmetals. Elements below the staircase are called post-transition metals. I know, a missed opportunity to call them the Harry Potter metals. Group 17 elements are called halogens or salt formers. Together with alkali metals, they form compounds that we classify as salts. Elements in group 18 are called noble gases. Their name is due to them being unreactive and therefore too noble to associate with other elements. There are two rows at the bottom of the periodic table, the lanthanides and the actinides. Many of these elements are radioactive or artificial. Their position on the periodic table is just simply due to convenience. They actually fit right after group 2 in periods 6 and 7, but they would make the table so wide it would be a nuisance to work with in that format. So let's take a closer look at how the periodic table tells us more about the atomic structure of the element. I already mentioned that it's organized by increasing atomic number, which is the number of protons in the nucleus. The number of protons actually determine the identity of the element. For example, the atom with eight protons is always going to be oxygen. The number of neutrons and electrons can vary without changing the identity, but the number of protons cannot. If oxygen happened to lose a proton, the atom would become nitrogen, a completely different element. A neutral atom has the same number of protons as it does electrons, so the charges are balanced. Therefore, knowing that oxygen has eight protons, for the atom to be neutral, oxygen must have eight electrons. In chemistry, we are mostly interested in the balanced electrons. These are the electrons that are at the highest energy level of the atom, furthest away from the nucleus. They actually determine how reactive an element is. To determine the number of valence electrons, you can use the group number in the periodic table. Group 1 has 1 valence electrons. Group 2 has 2 valence electrons. We're going to skip the transition metals for right now. Group 13 has 3 valence electrons. Group 14 has 4. Group 15 has 5, and so on. See? A built-in cheat sheet. Now, what about the number of neutrons? To be able to determine those, we have to clarify the atomic mass. The weight of a proton, electron, and neutron is unimaginably small. A proton, for example, weighs 1.67 times 10 raised to the negative 27th kilograms. 
Aside from your math teacher, no one really enjoys working with those numbers. So chemists use relative atomic weights. Relatively speaking, protons and neutrons weigh 1. And by comparison, an electron weighs 5.5 times 10 raised to the negative fourth, which is pretty much nothing. So if you know the relative atomic mass, in our example oxygen with a relative mass of 16, we know that it has 8 protons where each weighs 1. Then the other 8 atomic mass units have to be neutrons. In our case, 8 of them. The number of neutrons is the relative atomic mass minus the atomic number. When looking at the relative atomic mass on the periodic table, you will see that most elements, the number has a decimal. Well, how can that be? Do they have a fraction of a neutron? Of course not. They are actually atoms of the same element with the same number of protons, but different number of neutrons. These are called isotopes. Each isotope differs in relative atomic mass, and the periodic table gives us the average atomic mass taking into account the abundance of an isotope and its mass. If you would look at bromine with an atomic mass of 97.9, you know the majority of the naturally occurring bromine atoms have 35 protons and 45 neutrons. But there also has to be a small percentage of bromine atoms that have 35 protons and 44 neutrons. Thanks for joining. Coming up next in this podcast series, chemical bonding. See you there.